Everyone and welcome to Ladies Night, the official podcast of US Chess Women. I'm your host Jennifer Shahadi and you are listening to the artist Huga of hugamusica.com and that is a song that certainly captured my heart. Oh Capablanca. His bishop was small. Thanks to everyone who supports the podcast through shares and reviews and Apple Live. If you want to get more involved in all we do at US Chess to empower girls and women through chess, please consider a tax-deductible donation of any size to our US Chess Women program and reach out to me with any questions. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Ladies Night. Today, I welcome a very special guest. She's a streamer, a coach, a mom of three, a national master, a school teacher. She is Laura Smith. And Laura has been a wonderful asset to our U.S. chess women team over the past year. She's a coach of our adult women's beginners class, and she's also appeared at several of our girls' clubs. Her favorite topics include the London opening. And yes, I still I still consider her a friend despite that. And she also loves gambits. She even made a course on the art of the gambit. And she is a coach on Chesco as well. A third and fourth grade teacher, Laura Streams on at Laura Loves Chess. I remember from my playing days... Laura was the youngest U.S. chess championship participant in several of the women's championships I played in and one of the top players in her age group of any gender. In fact, she was the first female to head a top 100 player list for both male and female players. That was in April 2002 when she became the highest rated 13-year-old in the nation. Um, And I actually dug up a nice little article about Laura when she was just nine years old. And this is from the New York Times in 1998. Mark Silvers had just lost a game of chess in Bryant Park and was being consoled by his opponent. You're pretty good, said Laura Ross, who were turned 10 this week. It was really close. But moments earlier, her face under butterfly barrettes had the look of a killer as she grabbed pieces from the 43-year-old. A crowd had gathered around them during the game. She's so tiny, a woman said. Who would think a little girl like that could play chess? Laura, that article is such a blast from the past. And What a blast from the past. (laughs) Welcome to Ladies Night. It's so wonderful to have you. And now it's not so surprising. Little girls beating... Adult men in chess is like an everyday occurrence. If you look at the lists now, there are so many top-rated girls who play chess. Absolutely. And um, yeah, thank you so much for the honor to be on your podcast. And yeah, that is quite a long time ago, but I do remember Bryant Park so fondly. (laughs) 
I remember you being really good at a really young age, probably before you even had memories. Um, what are your earliest memories of chess? Yeah. So I do remember, you know, when I was five, my dad loved chess, loves chess to this day. And he was playing on a good old, you know, chessboard and had the New York Times out. And I was like, oh, I want to learn. And I would just move every pawn, H4, G4, F4. (laughs) And it was cool. And I didn't really show much interest until I turned six, that magic age of six. I was like, I want to learn. So I guess I, I guess this is where the story starts for me. Um, I went to the Manhattan Chess Club on Restaurant Row. Um, and I, I just was like infatuated with the game. Um, I had an amazing chess teacher every Saturday. It was a class. I remember it. It's interesting how memories are like that. Just talking about it. It feels like yesterday walking in there. I can already I could see those green lamps. And um, yeah, um, my teacher tagged Taggy and um, did this amazing class. And I was with all these other kids. Um, yes, mostly other like boys, much taller than me. <laughs> but um, I, I was lucky to have some early success. And I felt I felt so excited about the game. These lessons were in the Manhattan Chess Club. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that place as well. I taught some classes there for chess in the schools. And it was right in the theater district. So you would walk there and me being new to New York at the time, it just felt very glamorous to be like walking in Times Square and then giving a chess lesson or taking a chess lesson. Yeah, absolutely. I remember the little shop and all the beautiful chess sets and then the the amazing feeling of playing chess with all different types of people and the social aspect of it. And um that's kind of where it started for me. And then I guess after that, I started playing in um, scholastic tournaments. Remember playing in um, Hunter elementary school tournaments in the cafeteria. My mom would always joke she would be with her other other moms and dads on the floor <laughs> waiting for us to finish. Um, so those type of things and tournaments at Browning and Trinity. And yeah, and then eventually the Marshall Chess Club when I got more competitive. Oh yeah, I remember seeing you there. And when did you realize, and your family realize, and your coaches realize that you weren't just a little girl who was interested in chess, that you were also really talented? Oh, thank you. I should also say like a lot of it, it does take a tribe, um, you know, my family, the coaches, um, and the time that was given to me for this. Um, Yeah, like when I was around eight or nine, um, I remember uh, qualifying for the World Youth, girls under 10. Um, So 97 um, in in France, that was a big turning point. Yeah, I got to go to France. Um, It was was really cool. And that's when I started, um, you know, making lifelong friends with a lot of chess people that I still am in touch with today, thankfully. And, uh, yeah, like the, it was actually interesting because when I got there, I played other girls from all over the world and, um, I lost a lot of games and it was something new for me to lose, um, to people my own age. I had been getting a lot of early success here, but that's when I was like hungry to, to like, to win, to study, to get better. Yeah. That's pretty cool because at your time there weren't a lot of 
young girls who were super strong like you were. So when you went to these world youth tournaments, you met them and you befriended them. So that must have given you like this kind of like kick to improve your own game. Yeah, absolutely. And just being immersed in that chess culture for, it was like 11 rounds. Um, So think about all those days of travel and like playing chess in the airport on, you know, playing bug house and blitz and all of that just nonstop um, immersion really helped me. Very lucky to have that opportunity. Now, I wasn't a prodigy in the same way um, that you were, or I I guess, I I don't know if you consider yourself a prodigy, but you were... um, really early talent. Like I was a little later. So when I only got to play in a few world use, um, and I remember it being like the best thing ever though, I I played in maybe like two or three because I only started when I was 16 and my birthday is December 31st. So I aged out of it real fast, but the few that I got to play were such a privilege. And I just remember it being like the most exciting thing in the world to find out where it was going to be. Yeah, well, thank you. I, I don't consider myself a prodigy. I I definitely love the game. Um, and, you know, I feel like the amount of time that I dedicated to it and the luckiness I had to have like lessons every week. And my parents brought me every week to tournaments. You know, it became a big priority. But um, I definitely felt like the game spoke to me, like some have music speak to them or, you know, different activities, you know, but um, I agree. I remember being like, is it going to, where's it going to be next? And, you know, wow. When I, when I found out we were going to Greece and I was like, wow, that's amazing. Um, Argentina, just to name, I just lucky to have traveled so much for, from chess. Yeah. It's, it's a quite an experience. And what do you think of as your biggest accomplishment as a player? For me, um, it's kind of funny because um, some of my contemporary, well, they're not, they're they're world-class players, um, but I got to grow up with. So Hikaru Nakamura, the amazing um, GM Nakamura. So Hikaru is a little, just a slight bit older than me. So when he turned 14, one, one time, I was able to, to top the 13 for, for boys and girls, which was, which was really, um, which is really wonderful. Um, but it's funny because it was when his birthday turned to, to 14. <laughs> yeah, he's December and you you must be, what are you, spring? I'm a September baby. <laughs> okay. Okay. So so he was like 10 months older than you or something. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. So that's a great accomplishment. I mean, to be the top 13-year-old in the country of either gender, um, that must have felt really mm-hmm. good, even though like you didn't get a trophy in the mail or anything. But it's just knowing that, you know, you broke that record, which is a record for both genders. I think that's that's really significant. Thank you. Yeah. Um, again, like very lucky. I've had just like so much encouragement um, that I could just and I mean, luckily what you guys are doing at U.S. Chess is amazing. Um, but, you know, as a young, you know, as a young chess player um, in, at my age, I just feel like it was so rare to see in America, many girls at all play. Luckily, um, very lucky to have made friends with the ones that <laughs> do play that were in my, you know, similar age. But yeah, it was, you know, being in a room of 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 very few girls back then. And 13 is actually an age that a lot of girls quit. So that's pretty cool. I, I think that it's happened since. I'd have to check all the stats of how many times, but I'm pretty sure Rachel Lee or Alice Lee 
were number one in their age group at, at some point over the last few years. But yeah, it's a it's really cool to see um, girls like breaking these records left and right. And yeah, you're in that lineage. <laughs> and now you were a mom of three and a fourth grade teacher. You were a third grade teacher. Now you're a fourth grade teacher. Um, tell us a little bit about your approach or interest level in teaching your own kids chess. Yeah, really, really cool uh, topic in that. So yeah, my oldest is about to turn four and uh, we have, we've been playing on a board. Um, she, you know, I've been teaching her just, we're really mastering the pawns. Um, but, you know, and my husband, Sean is also very much in the, in the chess world. Um, you know, director for school programs for, um, for chess in the schools. And so, you know, we both, you know, show her some stuff, but it's definitely not the, like the priority to, to teach our children just chess, but of course it's such a big part of both of our lives. We will definitely introduce it to them. Um, and my, my younger, my younger twins, they're 15 months. So they, they, they haven't, they've seen some chess pieces on the board at this point. Um, but my daughter, Aubrey, she's, yeah, she's, she's learning like the, how the pawn like captures and lands on that square. Um, but yeah, we're, we're at those beginning stages. Um, definitely she knows that we both love chess. She knows like Saturdays are for chess because that's when often the tournaments are, um, that, you know, Sean runs and I'll play in. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where we're at. We definitely want to share our, our passion for the game and see if, you know, see if any of three of them want to pursue it. And Laura, your, your husband, Sean, um, at chess in the schools, he's also a national master, correct? The strong, yeah, he's a strong player. And, you know, nowadays a lot of our friends are like, oh, you know, who's better? Um, <laughs> since, as you mentioned, I am my, you know, I'm a school teacher. I teach all subjects, um, like reading, writing, math, etc. Um, and, you know, Sean's often working with some very strong player high school players who keep him, you know, true to the game. So he's actually, you know, just, I, I can still, you know, maybe win once in a while, but um, I'm actually maybe later in this conversation, I'll, I can talk a little bit about my, my chess goals, but um, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's got the advantage on me sometimes with all his opening theory lately. <laughs> all right. Well, the one chess goal is that this interview will soon become hopelessly out of date because you'll be so tight on the theory that you're going to be beating him left and right. And I'll have to have an edit to the show notes. <laughs> the contents of this interview have drastically changed since there. <laughs> but no, seriously, you and Sean, you have three kids under the age of four. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you, that means they were under the age of three when the lockdown started. Yes. I mean, and you, that must've just been an incredibly difficult time. I mean, I don't even know how to state it in English. Like that seems so challenging. Your twins were like three months old. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah. It's just nice when, you know, people understand that. Yeah. It's like, we all have our, our, our struggles in life. We've all gone through a year. Right. Um, but definitely yes. Last March, <laughs> you know, when the lockdown, you know, our babies were born in March of 2020, our twins, and uh, thank goodness they're doing amazing, but they did come early. So yeah, I'm very open about my, our journey, you know, it's been, it's been tough, but I guess what doesn't kill you, make you makes you stronger. And uh, 
it's amazing, you know, now seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, you know, not sweating the small things, but still wanting to win those chess games, right? It's just a funny, a funny reality. <laughs> yeah, light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, I guess towards when they started going to school again is when you got looped into this uh, U.S. chess women program. Yeah. So I guess that that was probably pretty good timing as you still are incredibly busy, but you had a little bit of a sliver of time here and there. And we're grateful that you gave um, some of it to us. I got to just say, it's been an absolute joy, um, like working with the women's beginner class, um, and which we kind of joke now, right? Because they're becoming intermediate um, leveled. Uh, yeah, it was just like, you know, it's interesting because I feel like, uh, you know, as a mom and just a, a person, like, it's just nice to have your own little, like you said, that little sliver of your own time and uh, so important. Yeah, like even with the the busy schedules and the, you know, the nonstop feeding and caring for our kids and our jobs, but it's fun also just to make time for things. This is like a passion, just like chess and teaching it now is, I, I get a lot of joy out of it. And, you know, since then, you've also started to stream. So you're teaching these adult women's beginner classes, and you also do some streaming at Laura Loves Chess. What surprised you most about this new world of streaming and teaching chess on Zoom? Yeah, no, this is like this is something that's been so surprising. It's how easy it is to access chess content, you know. Um, I, I've always been connected to chess, but it's been in different ways and during, you know, with the Queen's Gambit and then with the pandemic and then so many things aligned and I got really, I got really into it. I just love like watching streamers from the larger streamers to the small streamers all around the world who are just so excited about chess. Um, and you know, like just going on Twitch and seeing the amount of viewers that chess now brings is so exciting for me. When I was younger, um, I didn't have that. And I'm so, I'm so excited for the gen, this new generation, because I know the newest grandmaster, um, you know, he mentioned how he, the newest youngest grandmaster, how he studied all these chessable courses, which, you know, are amazing. And it's, it's just so cool that, you know, people can be inspired from all over the world to, to learn now. There's just, you know, when I was a kid, yeah, books are wonderful and there's nothing like a coach, a one-on-one coach, but it's great now that you can, you can be your own coach too. And I say that because I want to coach myself. I want to get better. And I, there's no excuses because Chessable, there's so many free courses and then not just Chessable is amazing. There's just all these resources, um, YouTube, um, and everything. So, and streams, you can just like absorb so much and enjoy it. Like my family sometimes will have chess.com, um, live chess, um, on our, our TV or like, um, Chess 24, it's just so easy and fun. And so many people are watching, you know, it's exciting. Yeah. And you can get involved in the interaction. So you mentioned Abhi Mishra, they actually show his chessable content. It wasn't public, but a couple weeks ago they made it public because um, he did become the youngest grandmaster in history. Yeah. An incredible record um, to break during a pan, you know, on the heels of pandemic year when over the board chess wasn't possible. 
Um, but let's get back to you and your chess goals as all of the streaming and coaching and, you know, watching content has gotten you excited to improve your own game. So tell us about that. What are your goals? Absolutely. So like you mentioned, it is, I agree. What a, an incredible accomplishment during a pandemic to make for him to make the, the youngest grandmaster. Like, and, um, you know, it's so interesting because with the pandemic, all, you know, all the difficulties, but there are those silver linings and one thing that was really cool for me as I got really back into chess through teaching the class and then starting just a small street, small streaming, um, was that um, chess in the schools would, you know, have these online tournaments pretty much every Saturday. And before online tournaments were like nothing that I would necessarily want to like play in, but here they had the prizes. Yes, chessable, you know, they graciously donated many, many prizes of winning. You can win some chess courses. So I would, um, on my Saturdays, it was just an hour arena event, just enough time where I could keep my own kids calm and situated. Um, and I really enjoyed playing in these comp- these virtual tournaments. Um, and, you know, I was able to actually, you know, win a couple little prizes and, and, you know, it felt so, so such great incentive. Like it wasn't just like, oh, play some online chess, like you can win a prize. And just, I reconnected with some chess friends, my friend, Igor Schneider, who, you know, I played with at World Youth when I was much younger. So it felt very like, you know, whole, uh, whole circle and motivating and exciting and, fun. You know, it's just a nice, especially during the lockdown, how nice was that to be able to connect and, you know, an hour of my time couldn't be better spent. So that was one thing. And then at this point, I'm not exactly sure my precise goals. I want to refresh my opening repertoire and just like learn, like be ready, like prepare again. There's just so much material there that's waiting for me to look at. And I just want to See where that takes me, you know, we'll see. Yeah. Um, you mentioned learning some new openings. Um, you mm-hmm. do like the London, you gave a class, um, despite my, my protests. <laughs> I, I know I, I didn't really protest that much actually, because I knew that it would be a popular topic. Laura did give a class on the London to our girls. You can find it on YouTube. I'll put it in the show notes. But despite that, that legendary love for the London, um, you are thinking about branching out to one E4. Yes. Like I mentioned in our, our class. Yeah. It's uh yeah, I do love the London. Um, when I, you know, I joke, like when I came out of my chess retirement, like, and decided to play again in like 2011, I was like, let me play chess again. And the London was gaining popularity and it did get me some nice success. Um, I remember playing in the world open against some pretty decent like experts and like masters and like standing my own with the London, which felt great. Um, but I'm noticing that it, it might be time to challenge myself again as I get this excitement for the game back. So yeah, like 1E4, am I ready? Not really, but are you ever ready? No. So I just have to dive in and and, and accept the challenge because I was an E4 player the majority of my time playing chess. Well, I think it's a brilliant idea. You know, it just kind of get you challenge yourself and make sure that you're always actively thinking. I, I think it just depends on the person, but 
I think you know what's right for you. And it seems like you know that you can only get so far continuing playing the London. So yeah, I, I think that's a really great self-realization. A lot of people say, you know, openings aren't that important. And it's true, like you can get to a certain level with any opening, but sometimes what's important about the opening is that you're passionate. Because mm-hmm. if you're not passionate about it, then why are you doing it? Exactly. So, and again, like there's so much content now at my fingertips that I, I feel I feel ready. I feel ready to do it. I wanted to ask you, Laura, you seem to have such a positive, upbeat attitude all the time. Is that something you've worked on? Um, do you think it's it's like something you inherited? Like, how do you cultivate that? Well, that's such a great question. Um, thank you, first of all. It's not always the case. You're catching me in the summertime. <laughs> but um, I'm very grateful. Um, you know, you, 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 you made a great point earlier. Um, you know, having such young kids during a pandemic has been trying. But the fact that um, everyone's doing well, I'm just grateful for. Um, I'm very open about my experience because I want to help other um, parents um, in general. Like my babies were born um, prematurely at 32 weeks. It was a very scary time and they are now thriving. So when, and again, I'm not always positive, but thank you for seeing that in me. And I, I just, um, I am grateful for, for those things, um, because of my experience, what life throws at you. So, you know, the fact that, you know, we're all, we're all doing okay is great. And, um, yeah, I guess I, I just love that, I've had opportunities like the school I work at has a great chess community. So I get to be part of that. Like I'm lucky for that. And I get my summer off. (laughs) Oh yeah. You're gearing up for that right now. So eight weeks early, your twins came. Well, I guess because they were twins, they weren't really expected till 37 weeks. I mean, but you're right. Five weeks early, your twins came. And then on top of that, this was during the very beginning of the pandemic. So right at the beginning of the lockdown. Yeah. Were you able to have your husband come to the hospital? So Sean was the last one of the final, um, like, I guess you could say partners of the mother, right. Who were allowed in. Um, so it was tough. Um, but yeah, he got to meet the babies very briefly and they spent their time in the NICU Um, and he wasn't allowed in only me. So again, when you see this happy, positive, um, outlook, I guess it's because we're all home and happy and and it's such a, that's how we, that's, I guess, um, perspective getting through that means everything else is easier. (laughs) That is a really wonderful perspective. I mean, it's something you hear a lot that if you go through the worst, then, you're more appreciative for health and happiness. And, and you, and maybe we can't say that it was the worst because, you know, at, as, mm-hmm. as we know, your, your outcomes were very positive. You have three mm-hmm. thriving children and it seems like great careers, but some very trying times indeed. And now you, you kind of can see the, what really matters in life. Exactly. Chess openings. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tell me about the projects that you're most excited about right now, because it is a summer, so you've got some time off, and I know that you're not just sitting around 
Um, of course, you have your three kids that are going to keep you busy, but you've got some other stuff on the side, don't you? Yeah. So I'm really excited. Um, you know, with the chess boom, to be very honest, it's just opened up some new, some new opportunities that I was very excited to be part of. So um, I've been able to um, film some some chess courses. I've done two so far and one's uh, just launched. It's been great because um, it was easy to, to film because as you know, I do have three kids, so I wasn't able to travel far to do this, but it, it was, uh, we were able to film right in Brooklyn. So I just done my first course, the art of the gambit. Um, and yeah, as a young chess player, I remember one of my first openings was the King's Gambit. I felt bad not including it in this course, but, um, it wasn't one I've played that much in, in recent years, but gambits in general definitely have been the highlight of chess for me, um, playing them, watching them. And yeah, so I was able to select some um, dynamic gambits for both when you're playing white and for when you're playing black. And um, I'm excited about that. It's now the course has launched and a lot of excellent um, chess teachers and chess players are also creating courses on the on the website as well. And this is EffectiveChess.com. Um, can you, t- and we'll of course put the link to that in the show notes. Um, what's your absolute number one favorite gambit? My absolute favorite gambit, I would say I'm team scotch gambit. I love that. Um, there's so many um, lines where it seems like whatever move wouldn't be consequential. And if you're prepared, which I know this, when you know an opening, you feel great about it. So I love the scotch gambit. And I love like a lot of my students have had success with it in nationals. And it's just really nice to come, come to the board ready with some. And I feel like it's pretty sound compared to some of the other gambits that I like, but wouldn't necessarily trust all the time. So tell me about the scotch gambit. Is What's the difference between the scotch game and the scotch gambit? So the scotch game, you're, you're taking, you know, you're going to recapture that D4 pawn, but in the gambit, you offer it, they take it, and then you bring your bishop out to C4 and you get some early um, development and you get a qu- you castle quick and you get a lot of different, um, tactics with if wherever they place their black where the where they place their bishop really matters um and it might not seem so but if you're ready there's lots of tricks double attacks um queen and bishop patterns that are really cool so i know you might be too nice to give me an answer on this but i gotta ask what's your least favorite gambit don't worry it's not a person it's just a chess opening sure. Yeah, right. I know people take it so personally. Um, the Latvian gambit, I feel like maybe I just don't understand it, <laughs> but it's not my favorite. Maybe I'm just like, ugh, not for me. Is that one e forty five knight of three f five? Yes. It just, I just don't understand it, and I never maybe listen. Maybe that's what I'm gonna challenge myself to learn. But that was never an opening I was gonna look for to play. Well, if you're not really that into the King's Gambit, then playing the Latvia Gambit seems like, isn't that like a King's Gambit with one last tempo or something? <laughs> seems pretty scary. <laughs> that said, hey, you know, when I when I am playing white and I face it, it is like kind of comes as a surprise. That's so true. I mean, that's part of the psychology of the game, right? So maybe I will, maybe I will add it to the reference bar. We'll see. Maybe some blitz chess. 
Some nice, fun, casual blitz chess will do that. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be a good one for like a, a blitz game for sure. Like three-minute chess, something like that. So you've got the EffectiveChess.com course, and then you also do some coaching for co-chess, and you also do the women's class and streaming on Laura Loves Chess. That sounds like a lot of logistics, especially with your children and with your um, schoolwork as a teacher. So do you have any kind of like time management tips for people out there? Like any kind of apps or anything that you use to keep yourself organized? It's true. It's it's a lot. And I think it's also just like prioritizing, um, you know, my time. Like I love streaming, but I also know that, you know, it takes a long time to necessarily like get like a huge, like a following and everything. And for me, that's not my, um, my focus with it. I really just want to, I really enjoy it. It's like a space that's mine and I like it. Um, I definitely have goals there. Like I'm actually collaborating with people who um, are, are more knowledgeable of, of Twitch. You know, in life, everything feels so much like, oh, I'll do this and you'll, you know, like this is a job. But Twitch is one place where it's like, it's not my job. I like it. Um, and I get to like meet really cool people. And it's a it's a fun network type of thing. Um, but yeah, in terms, I would love an app. So if you know one, please send me that, send it my way. Um, I'm always looking to get my time management better, but I like the idea. I love consistency. That's why I love teaching a class. I love that. That's helpful and, um, things like that. But yeah, if there is a magic app or a Mary Poppins would be great too. (laughs) Well, you're already doing great at it. Who do you collab with? I'm so excited to have collaborated with um, Lisa Orlova from Canada. She's so she w- took her time to help me with my stream, and uh, yeah, it's like we were l- just learning from different um, people, and it's really cool because some of the streamers that I've been um, meeting, they might actually play other games, and chess might just be um, just one of their games. They might have a lot of followers, and so for me, because I come with that expertise. But I don't necessarily know all these like watch me name drop some Twitch things that I don't even, you know, like I don't know about like sub battles and like pop. There's all these words that like I'm learning and it's okay. And I'm very like, I don't mind. I'm in my 30s. It's okay. I don't need to know all these lingos. But um, they're very happy to show me that while I teach them, yes, the London (laughs) or I show them you know, some like some kind of cool, like way to look at a puzzle. So it's really cool. It's like, it's fun. Like I love the, like the technology learning things and, you know, I want my kids to be up with the coding and (laughs) all that. So that's where I see the collaboration. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, that's true. I did stream early in the pandemic and I learned so much in such a short period of time because you're just kind of forced into learning about all the technology and you kind of, even if you have people helping you at the end of the day, if you're streaming, even, even infrequently, there's so many things you just have to kind of learn on your own because you hit some kind of wall and it's great just to be educated in such like a quick way because you're out there, your face is there and you need to learn these things. Exactly. Now, speaking of the women's classes, we did get a question from one of our regulars Stacy, thank you for the question. She asks, I would love to hear the process of how players typically prepare for big tournaments and how Laura is preparing for herself. So, I mean, 
back when you played big tournaments, what was your prep? And we already talked a little bit about how you preparing now. Yeah, no, it's such a, it's such a great question. And I love like when you actually have to answer this question, it kind of forces you to actually do it, you know, do it. So when I was a younger player, um, as we mentioned earlier today, it's like, Back then, we there were it was different, but um, ch- uh, chess space. I remember having all my coaches would help me with my openings and selecting ma- grandmaster games, kind of like what um, the amazing Judith Polgar said in your um, in your session with her. Like what, like make picking your opening repertoires and then studying grant like master and grandmaster games for those um, openings, and then like like, uh, rinse and repeat, like, like going over it so much that you, that you do really understand all the openings. Um, and then of course for tactics, like you said, like consistency, um, making that part of your thinking of thinking of it, like an athlete does their training for different exercises. Like every day I would do, um, I would do tactics half an hour, but every single day. And it doesn't seem like that much time. Oh, 30 minutes, but you know, sit down without the distraction of all the things we have. It's hard. And, but if you can do that, and then um, those are the things that I would hope to do. Now, I also understand that I, you also want to maximize the time that you have, like you were saying, like, I wish there was a magic app that would tell me like, you know, be my coach next to me, but you have to, um, you know, find at least 15 to 30 minutes for tactics. And then, um, you know, review your openings, and then, of course, end games too. There's so much. There's so much um, content for end games as well. Regular, like a book, or if you're more into the tech, use a online course. Right. Use um, chessable content. All these great things. There's so many options, and and go over your games. I forgot. Huge, right? Going over your own games that were, you know, not super fast games, right? So you can see like where your strengths are and what are some patterns that you need to work on. We all know our strengths and weaknesses, but to see them is going to, is going to motivate you. Yeah. Looking for those patterns and, you know, looking yourself, but also seeing if a coach can help you parse those out. That's great advice, Laura. And I love that you were kind of like trying to freshen up your openings because you're kind of like a living example of like, just always kind of keeping present and like asking whether or not you're pushing yourself. Right. Because if you want to get better, you by definition have to push yourself. Exactly. Growth happens when you're uncomfortable. If you're too comfortable, there's nowhere to improve. So, you know, going, you know, I, I know where I, I got to learn. I got to learn those hard, the hard lines, like E4, C5, let's go. Oh my gosh. Like you said though, like when you went from the C3 Sicilian, I think you were mentioning um, once and how you went for open Sicilian. I mean, this is huge, a huge change but it's going to be, it's going to be necessary sometimes to make changes. Like introduce me to a whole another type of position and different types of sacrifices. And maybe that was what really was it, not just winning the games on the white side of the Sicilian. Although I have to say, I did have a good score there. (laughs) (laughs) So Laura, where do we find you? I've already mentioned you're at Laura Loves Chess on Twitch and on Twitter as well, right? Yeah. And um, yeah, I'm on, I'm on Instagram as well, laura.smith.newyorkcity. I love collaborating and yeah, I'm just, I love just bringing chess to, to like the next generation. And I think it's so important. Our kids, um, 
as I, as you had asked me earlier, like, I want to like have my kids learn. It's not, it's just such a great, it's such a great game and a great place for them to develop socially. I, I, I love seeing my own, my students, um, when they have chess class, their eyes just like, they're so excited. And it's, um, I just hope that, you know, we can just continue bringing chess to all the kids, you know, because it's such, it's all it requires is a board and pieces, right? It's, uh, and then options are so, so much, so, so, so much there and they love it. And it's such a great, you know, we love technology, but chess is a good form of technology too. Yeah, it's so inexpensive to buy a chess set and then it offers unlimited possibilities. I couldn't agree more. You, I mentioned in the intro, you and I played in some of the U.S. championships together. I believe you played in one in, the, in Seattle and you were the youngest player. Yes. Do you have any kind of like nostalgia for over the board chess? Will we see you in an OTB tournament sometime? I really want to, yes. I, I don't see myself traveling too far at the moment for chess. I'd love to, but I'd hope, you know, I'm excited. Like New York, we're doing well with our, you know, our vaccination rates. And I I do want to play. I'm excited for Chess in the Schools, Chess in the Parks in um, Central Park. That'll be in the fall. And that's really fun. If I can get someone to watch all my kids, we'll see. But I'll definitely be there to watch and enjoy. And, you know, it's so fun to see like the large chess set and like, the fun and like, you know, the board set up. Oh, now, yeah, I'm, I'm craving some over the board chess for sure. I can tell. I can tell because your personality type, I feel like you've gotten more into chess in the pandemic and then you have such a great extroverted personality that it just seems like you, you need to get out there and play with some real board and pieces. And somebody, uh, you know, has got to donate those babysitting hours. Yes. Yes. <laughs> And, you know, just, 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 it's not that hard, right? They just play with the kids in Central Park and, you know, while, while, <laughs> while Laura, while their mom is just, uh, you know, collecting some checkmates. Yes. I love it. <laughs> but yeah, seriously, thank you so much for all you do for U.S. chess women and also for chess in general. I think if anyone didn't know Laura before this interview, they're going to want to know her more after. So you'll find the links in the show notes to all the Laura loves chess from Twitch and Twitter and her Instagram at Laura Smith NYC and then all of the courses and other things that she's involved with. Thank you so much, Laura, for joining me here on Ladies Night. Thank you so much for having me. If you like what we're doing at US Chess to encourage women and girls to explore STEM fields, accentuate competence, and approach an even ratio with a focus on intersectionality, your donation to our US Chess Women programs is always appreciated and tax deductible. The U.S. Chess Suite of Podcasts, including Ladies' Night, are produced and edited by Jason Andre at Seven Season Films Photography and Media. Please visit sevenseasonfilms.com to find out how to start your own podcast. Don't forget to listen and subscribe to all U.S. Chess Podcasts from One Move at a Time, Cover Stories, and The Chess Underground. Till next time, may every night be Ladies' Night. Now according to Sockfish I got it all wrong After slightly advantage I had nothing But my dear Capablanco You tell me We learn more from our defeats Who needs victory?